Alrighty, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, we're running an iTunes and Stitcher contest leading up to the first 10 episodes of our show. One lucky winner is going to get an invite to become a founding member of our Founders Connect Inner Circle Mastermind Group, which is normally worth 840 USD per year to join. We're also going to give one lucky winner a 30-minute marketing blast of consulting call with myself or a 30-minute ideal relationship coaching call with Cindy. We normally charge $500 per session, so definitely worth it. You can also win user licenses to a couple of our favorite online marketing tools, thanks to our awesome contest partners. We will announce the winners on episode 11, so if you'd like to become a founding member of our Founders Connect Inner Circle, or get some marketing or relationship coaching, head on over to foundersconnect.co forward slash win to enter now. Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let Let the the fun begin. begin! Hi everyone, I'm Cindy and I'm Ant and we're from Founders Founders Connect Connect. and uh, today we are welcoming to the show our good friend Benjamin Bell who is the founder and CEO at missingletter.com. Now missing letter is missing a letter in the name so (laughs) (laughs) that's a social marketing automation company that automatically creates 12 months worth of social content for each blog post you publish. We're a client. We've been using the tool since it began. So I'm really excited to have Ben on the show. He previously owned a web agency for over 10 years, which has been acquired. And during that time, he also launched a number of SaaS startups, two of which have been sold. Now, Ben's passionate about empowering businesses and brands with tools that help them succeed. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, pleasure to be on. Great to meet you both. So I want to ask you, Ben, on scale of one to 10, how weird are you? <laughs> well, as you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, don't be a boring one to 10 scale. Go on, make it one to 12 or something else. So maybe that kind of answers it. I like to be a little bit different, I suppose. I don't necessarily buy into the norms that you have to do things a certain way. So in that regard, I suppose I'm a little bit weird. But yeah, no weirder than the other guy, I suppose. We can it's all have a weird. I've got people saying 12, so I don't know. What's your number? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's too low, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to shoot for the moon more. Maybe it's one to 56, just to be random. 56. Excellent. You're topping it. <laughs> what kind of kid were you in school? Um, <laughs> <rather> <laughs> embarrassing. I, I think it was a good... Well, so I went to school where my dad was the headmaster. And in fact, not only no that, we, we lived in the school. It was a boarding school for girls, but a day school for boys and girls. You know, I was allowed to be there, but uh, it was very strange. So we would have Sunday dinners with the boarders um, on the Sundays, and then we would play rounders on the pitch in the afternoons. It was a very idyllic sort of childhood in many regards, but very strange because my dad was the headmaster. So when you go through those natural sort of phases where this girl fancies you or you fancy them, or I couldn't do any of that because I was just always thinking my dad's going to be walking to the room any second now. I mean, this was primary school, so this was only yes. you know, happening in the final sort of couple of years. The, the embarrassing memory that immediately came to mind when he asked me that was actually in secondary school when I first went there and I was that guy that turned up to school with a briefcase 
So I think it was destined wow, for that. Wow, um, I was going to be a businessman of some description. <laughs> I quickly got rid of it. I think I did it for about two goes, two days, and then uh, I realised that no one else was carrying a briefcase with them. Uh, maybe I should ditch that and leave it at home. <laughs> uh, I think you just intuitively knew that you had to stand out and you were different. Like maybe. maybe. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, cool. So if you had all the time and money in the world, what would you be doing? Quite honestly, I would be doing exactly what I'm doing now. I've had this asked a few times and both internally within my head and by others on podcasts like this. And it's genuinely the answer. I know it might sound intentionally crafted like that, but no, I love working on startups, building products, innovating, defining new markets. If I made you know a billion tomorrow, I would wake up the next day and launch the next business. That's just in my DNA. I love it. That idea, that uncertainty of creating something and then seeing whether you can build that traction behind it and create something, hopefully that others haven't thought about yet. I'm not in this game to chase a market and do a copycat thing because there's an obvious financial mm. gain to be made. You know, I want to win in business from a financial side, but it has to be because it's innovating something. It's something that is new, that interesting, captivates hearts and minds. So you mentioned your dad was a headmaster when you were younger. Was your mother an entrepreneur? I'm curious where that entrepreneur streak came from. No, she worked in the school as well as the school matron. So the school mate, the, the sort of the nurse, I suppose. Aww. So yeah, she would put the plasters, you know, the band-aids on the kids as they would fall over in the playgrounds. So she was the exact opposite. She's the loveliest, nicest person you'd ever meet, but not a very um, entrepreneurial sort of person. I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't use that sort of bracket. I don't know where it came from, quite frankly. Interesting. Not uh, my parents. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the listeners might be going, okay, what's his accent? So where are you actually based? So I'm based in the UK, which rather strangely, apart from those in Australia, anywhere else around the world, it's quite common that my accent will get, or a British accent will be confused with Australian. There you strange. Go. But, yeah. um, but anyway, I'm based in the UK, about an hour away from London, so South oh, England. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have the bastardized version of the British accent, so you know, our history goes back <laughs> a couple of hundred years. Um, all right, Cindy. So what's your favourite quote? Oh, I don't know. Was this like one I had to write down in the thing and I probably had to... This is a strange one, this, because I've done a few podcast interviews before and this is a fairly common question that comes up. And every time I think I must write that down somewhere central so that when I'm asked it again, I can refer to that because A, I've got a terrible memory and B, I just find it so boring to have a quote. I'm sorry if people like quotes, affirmations and everything else, but I don't know. I think they serve a purpose. I suppose they can serve a purpose to sort of boil down something to an essence and help remind you of some motivation that you might need and something else but quite frankly if you need a quote to help you with that you're doing something wrong that's just me skirting around the subject because i can't bloody yeah let me reframe the question then what is a belief that you have or something you say to yourself that drives what you do and who you are yeah good catch um <laughs> putting me on the back foot again let me say so I'm a big believer in doing rather than just listening and reading and consuming I think clearly there's a wealth of knowledge out there particularly in this day and age with the web you know to really consume and take advantage of people's lessons and failures along the way so do that don't stop doing that I'm a voracious reader of business biographies I love the rubber baron era back from the 1900s all that sort of stuff so I love all that sort of stuff but take it for what it is and not what you want it to be. It's not that sort of silver bullet that's going to solve all your things. So I'm a massive believer in knowing when to draw a line in consuming that content, that knowledge from celebrities that you follow online, and then realizing that at some point you have to take the action to actually put something out into the real world, even if it fails, because you just got to 
it's that silly old Silicon Valley thing, you know, fail quickly, all that sort of stuff. But that's something that I hold incredibly close to my heart. If you're not setting goals and actually delivering something, then you're basically doing nothing because it's just an idea that you might be building. You might be tricking yourself that you're doing something because you're building stuff or you're writing that essay. But if you don't publish it or if you don't launch the product or if you don't get it out ugly in that first stage, then you might as well not start in the first place. So get really good at working that muscle. And that's something that I just constantly drill into my head. If I'm working on something, it's like, well, that's great. I'm working on it. But what is the goal here? What is the next goal? Is it to launch it in next week? Or if not, is it to launch it the week after? And if not, when is it that I'm planning to launch it? Having a deadline focuses the mind really, really well. Hmm, I really like that. Action is king. There you go. Yeah. So who's been one of your greatest mentors in your life or in your career? And what did you learn from them? I alluded to the business biographies that I read. And hmm. I know when you said that, asked that, probably you're thinking real life people that you know work with me now, perhaps. I'm a very bad mentee. So I draw my inspiration and advice in that sense from people that I've read about in the past. Oh, uh, Richard Branson being probably the most recent and Elon Musk and those sorts of people and you know, Steve Jobs. But more so in the day, I love the Robert Barron era, Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, JP Morgan. I love reading those sorts of rags to riches stories and, and how they've you know, really built something from nothing. And those are the ones that inspire me and help me along. In terms of pure mentorship, as I said, I'm really bad at being a mentee. I hate being told advice, I like to go and seek it rather than be given it. It's a weird left up thing in my head. I need to work it. I need to fix that first before I can really be open to um, proper mentorship sort of relationships. Well, it's interesting because it seems to be working for you. So I wouldn't say correct something that's already working, you know? <laughs> so, well, yeah, but you know, you can always do better. So, you know, if you talk to someone who's done a hundred million dollar business and you say to them, look, I'm terrible at mentoring. This is how I've always done it. Well, they're obviously going to come back to you and say, you know, have you ever achieved a hundred million dollar business? And I'm like, no, maybe you need to change what you do then. So it is all about perspective and what is the next level you're trying to get to. And so, you know, I think in reality, I do need to get better at that. I'm not ready to do it now, so don't push me. <laughs> but uh, I think at some point, I probably do need to evolve and uh, just allow myself to be opened up a little bit more. So what is Missing Letter and how did it begin? So Missing Letter, as you mentioned at the beginning, is a social media automation platform. It's kind of the antidote to the buffers out in the world where as brilliant as they are and amazing as the companies are, they do two aspects of the social promotion really, really well. They do the scheduling and then the distribution. So they will help you schedule it so you can pre-schedule stuff in the future. And then they do the sending out. So they will you know, set it and forget it and they'll post it out to your social accounts over that period, you know, over the next year or whatever. But what they don't do, and you know, for the right reasons, that's not their game, they leave it to you to create the content in the first place, which, you know, you can very easily argue, well, of course, you should create the content. Only you know what you want to write. You don't want a robot writing it for you. But the reality is that there are many, many situations where a robot can do it far better than you can. And if it's solely on you to write the content, as I found myself using tools like Buffer so frequently, you fail to turn up because you have to build that habit to turn up every day or every few days to keep your Buffer or queue topped up. So it requires a human habit to be formed to really use these tools successfully. On the flip side, Missing Letter, we do the standard scheduling and then the distribution, but we create the content for you as well. But specifically for those companies that blog. So whether you're an individual and you're a consultant and you're a coach or a brand and you're blogging, or whether you're a business or an enterprise and using blogging as part of your content marketing strategy, it doesn't matter. Our job is to help drive traffic and engagement for each of the blog posts that you create. So we essentially, when you click publish in WordPress or whatever the platform is that you're writing your blog posts in, 
We detect that within about 20 minutes. We'll create 12 month social media campaign off the back of that. So we're extracting quotes and phrases that we think will work well. We'll recommend hashtags. We'll extract images if you've placed them in there. And we'll also generate branded quote bubble style images for you as well. And then we package all of that up into a 12 month long campaign that you simply need to review. So within about 20 minutes of you publishing your blog post, you'll get an email from us saying, hey, new campaign, click here. We'll go into missing letter. You can cycle through different options if you want to. If you don't, most people don't. They're pretty happy with the initial. They can just go, go. And then we will drip that social content out to the social accounts that you've connected over the next 12 months, all to drive traffic back to that single blog post. So for each blog post that you publish, assuming they're campaign worthy, they might not be, you know, there might be sort of opinion pieces that don't need to be promoted, arguably. But for each blog post that you publish, it will get its own 12-month campaign. And so that's the core of what Missing Letter does. There's a lot more, of course, but that's the essence. Did you know that financial intimacy can lead to better sexual intimacy with your significant other? Money is never just about dollars and cents. Money is wrapped up with emotions such as fear, insecurity, envy, and guilt, and attitudes such as control. So want to improve your financial intimacy? Grab our free guide at www.foundersconnect.co forward slash financial intimacy today. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. I love the tool. Obviously, we're using it. it saves us a whole bunch of time and stress. Cindy doesn't like writing little social content at all, <laughs> um, which just makes it easier. Yes, uh, definitely. Save my life. So what kind of results have your clients seen in terms of traffic being generated from using the tool over a period of time? So I can't give exact client details here for confidentiality reasons, but um, it's common stories like, you know, we get a bunch of customers who will tell us that the majority of the clicks and the traffic that they're getting on a typical blog post of theirs is now all coming from Missing Letter or as a result of a campaign that Missing Letter has created. And that's a very, very common sort of case where, you know, you've got different sort of stages of a business that might use Missing Letter. You've got those that are fairly small business or a solopreneur and they're blogging as part of their primary output. And they don't necessarily have a huge amount of traffic already. And so Missing Letter is, in those situations, providing the majority of the traffic for them and just helping create that constant flow of traffic so that they can then convert them or do whatever they want to do once they're on their site. And then you've got it all the way up to the other end where they're bigger companies and it becomes an element of their traffic mm-hmm. generation, but a meaningful one because it helps provide, in addition to the traffic, that presence and that activity on their social channels. It helps keep them fresh and alive. And so it's those sorts of things. But we'll have you know customers who you know, are getting thousands and thousands of visits to their blog posts every month, right through to those that are getting just a few dozen or a few hundred, but that still is 500% more than they were getting before using Missing Letter. So it really depends on where you're starting from. And as with everything, because our campaigns are created on your blog post, you know, we're not writing the blog post for you. It is, you know, as with anything, it's all about how you have positioned your business, your content in the first place with your market. So if you're writing about dogs to the cat market, you know, there's no <laughs> social campaign, whether it's written by machines or not, that is going to amplify it. So you've still got to do the basics right, you know, target, research, put it in front of the right people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cindy. So is vlogging still relevant in 2018-19? Yeah, I think so. I think it's an interesting market as it's evolving because over 91% of businesses blog as part of their marketing strategy. It is crazy. Basically, every business blogs. You do it in some fashion, whether it's just, you know, we've released a new feature, whether it's an opinion piece on something else. There are different strategies and tactics, but pretty much everyone's doing it. So it goes to show how accessible as a marketing platform and how effective it is 
for almost every business out there. It is number one, the most approachable and cost-effective marketing strategy that anyone can apply. It doesn't cost you anything to write the content and it can, if done properly, create that snowball effect. But the problem is, as was just alluded to with the number there, that if everyone's doing it, there is a new problem now, which is how do you actually surface your content and keep your head above the crowd? Because there is just so much of it out there. And it, this is why you've got things like you know, Snapchat and Instagram doing stories and there's different sort of different mediums, different approaches. Video obviously is very big at the moment as well. And these things are there to solve that itch where it's becoming a bit more crowded. So what does that mean for the blogging space? Well, it means that, you know, people are still consuming content, but it's now important more than ever to A, make sure you're putting even more research into writing the right content in the first Mm -hmm. place. If you weren't doing that before, double down on that because as I say, you know, stupid question in one ear, stupid answer at the other end. So (laughs) Create great content to start with, and then anything beyond that, whether it's you doing it manually or missing meta doing it automatically, will only amplify that. So do that right. And number two, do think you use tools like Missing Letter to really help create a more joined up brand output for that content when you get out there. It is definitely no longer good enough to post a blog post or publish a blog post today, tweet about it tomorrow, and then assume that that's it and people will just come to you because it is so crowded out there. You need to be dripping it out gradually whether you use missing letter or not doesn't really matter just come up with a schedule over that 12 months for each blog post that you come up with to really just help get it in front of your users because we're all busy people our social feeds are getting affected algorithmically by facebook but also we're busy we just miss stuff so dripping it helps increase the chances that your audience will see it more relevantly yeah so we recently did a survey of 50 business owners on LinkedIn, asking them about their blogging habits whether they blog or not and what frequency do they share that content and overwhelmingly majority say they do blog, but big challenge for them is time and then the effectiveness of the content. And what I sort of observe is that they're doing what you're saying not to do, which is just to publish it once and then share it once and then leave it there, right? And so I think that's the real advantage of having a tool like Missing Letter because you can actually then automate to some degree the constant promotion of that content and that's i think where a lot of people fail to focus on is the promotion part of the blogging process right mm. yeah i was reminded that 91 percent stats in the same survey i can't remember the exact number the 91 was the exact one but i can't remember the follow-up it was somewhere it might be 70 but i'll say 50 to 70 just to be safe mm-hmm. about 50 to 70 percent of that 91 percent cohort were moderately satisfied with the results of the blogging that they were doing which totally ties in with what you're saying there that doing it they know they should be doing it there's huge opportunity in blogging but they're not quite getting the results that they want it's delivering results but it's not quite as effective as they think and it's probably for reasons as you say that they're not quite thinking about how they promote it and what they do to get above the crowd all right so i think we've got that one all right cindy you like this question yeah definitely do so what bullshit do you see going around your industry that you disagree with what bullshit yeah um hmm. well i think more generally And it goes back to the topic, the answer I gave a minute ago, so it's regurgitating a little bit, I suppose. But this idea that you can just follow people and read what they do and follow what they do and it will just deliver results. You know, going back to those sort of the so-called celebrities that we'll talk to you about, you know, people who would just blindly follow people and think that if they follow their playbook, it will work. That, I think, is a bullshit that is peddled far too frequently. And this belief that you can just consume a book or watch a webinar, or in many cases, pay through the nose to attend some crazy three-week-long webinar with this guy that's pre-recorded something and it's on recycle and people believe that they can actually do it. That stuff really frustrates me because at the end of the day, you will learn so much more just by doing something. If you have a nucleus of an idea, just going out and doing it and then just talking to a couple of customers, 
failing maybe and just picking yourself up and doing it again, that is going to be a much better lesson for you than the other. So I hate it when I see people blindly follow those things or people peddle it thinking that they have the advice to give give advice if it's worthy, of course. But I think there's a fine line. Yeah. Well, you've been able to build businesses and get them to the point where they're acquired. How do you select, like, is that part of your sort of ideations phases to think about or will this be business that I can sell or how do you choose which projects to work on? Yeah, so I never set them up expecting to sell them because there's so many different outcomes that a business can have. It could be that you see it just exponentially growing every year and you bring in an ever-increasing team to actually run, including a, you know, a replacement CEO. That sort of evolution is one that you know, could work in some of the companies and can be done very, very effectively. So it could be that, it could be that it's going to be sold. It's far too early when you're creating something to second guess or to plan around a particular outcome because who knows what the market's going to do. You don't know yet whether you've got any initial customer traction and market fit. So no, I don't do that. You know, I think the only thing I do do is I think I create products that I have an intuition. I play off a lot of gut. Um, I'm kind of that person that should do a lot more from the outside. People would maybe tell me should do a lot more customer development, but I do elements of that. But then I really, you know, that Steve Jobs quote, you know, I much prefer to look at where this hockey puck is going to end up versus where it is today. And customers as brilliant as they are, will generally talk about their problems today and not necessarily where they see that opportunity going. So I more look at where I think that opportunity is and where it can become and what type of opportunity I think it can be. And if I think there's a viable business case to be made for it, irrespective of what that outcome could be, and almost irrespective of how big the market could be, I don't mind having a smallish sort of business in a small market. As long as it's profitable, that's what it's all about. But it has to be a product I enjoy. As I say, I will never do something simply because there's a buck to be made. It has to be something that excites me, that I think there's an exciting, interesting challenge that is to be found there. I really like that. That's a really good message for those listening. Exactly. <laughs> Don't just chase the money. <laughs> that's Enjoy really... the journey. Definitely. Um, and yes, yeah, too easy to chase the money. And it will trip you up later on because you will drain your whole soul um, because you'll never make the money as quick as you think you can make the money. And therefore, you will be in a business for longer than you think that ultimately isn't fueling you emotionally and intellectually and everything else. So... Ben, could you take us back to the beginning of Missing Letter and how you got your first Play 1000 customers? Like, what was that process? How did that look like for you? So we launched Missing Letter alongside the agency that you mentioned in the intro. And it was more just an experiment. It was an itch that we were scratching to see whether we could, in a very basic way, just automate the creation of some basic tweets and social posts based on blog posts. And so it started off really, really experimental. And we tasked ourselves with a single week to see if we could get a thing designed and the core tech built, ugly as it was within one week, so that if someone were to knock on the door, i.e. that you know, fictitious SaaS customer, they could purchase a plan on day seven and become a paying customer. And so that goes back to what I said before. I like having deadlines. I think it firms the mind really well. That's how it started. Um, I don't think we did get a customer straight away. It probably took a few months to get our first customer. But we did a bit of stuff on social. Obviously, Missing Letter was helping us with that. I went and did a pitch thing at a conference. And that was, I think, the thing that gave us that first traction. And in fact, there was a speaker there at this conference in the UK that later on liked what we were doing and later on went to talk about us on podcasts that he was doing at the time. And then he was also a guest writer on Social Media Examiner. And he did a couple of posts on there as well. And we still get a bit of traffic from that. And that gave us that first, I think it was probably the first 10, 20 customers, something like that. And it happened fairly quickly and it ramped up in the first sort of month or two. And that gave us that sort of impetus, that sort of 
initial kickstart, if you will. And that wasn't architected. That just, as often that happens, just, you know, being in the right place at the right time, speak to someone who likes and is equally as passionate about the problem you're solving. And then they, without you asking, go out there and actually talk about your product. And we've been really, really fortunate in that sense. And almost every one of our customers ends up being an advocate for us and goes out there and talks about us without us asking because they just love what we're doing, which is really, really handy. That's a sign that you've got a great product and you're working on the product being great rather than so much on the promotion side of things. That's really cool. So how do you decide what to delegate and what not to delegate? Oh, delegation. I'm terrible at delegation. <laughs> um, it's it's another, another thing on my whiteboard that I'll come to at some point in my later life to try and get better at. What do you work on? Well, I think, I mean, if I give the example of the journey that we've been on with Missing Letter, start off, you know, you're told, do the unscalable things. And I would very much advocate that because that plays into the mindset that I like, which is do stuff, don't just talk about stuff. So a great example there is um, customer development and customer support. And my background actually, you know, prior to setting up businesses is development. So I started off with Missing Letter, both building it, designing it, customer support, pretty much everything, marketing. And so delegation naturally kicks in when you reach a, when you think you've reached capacity, just go a bit beyond that and maybe a bit beyond that. And then you really have reached capacity. And then it's very, very clear that you need to bring people in. So, you know, one of the first people I brought in was to um, take over the customer support. I love speaking with customers, but it was a constant every single day. And that just meant it was very mm. difficult for me to focus on specific projects within Missing Letter that maybe, you know, took more than a week. Just being sort of pulled back tickets was a pain. So do the unscalable stuff first, and then you'll know. And I was actually reminded me of this advice that someone gave me. Oh, God, I'm going to give some advice now. Um, <laughs> where that's good. The same, don't hire a salesperson if you haven't done the sales yourself. Because if you can't give them a playbook of some sort, I know this completely contradicting what I just said there. I use the word playbook. But I think it goes to show that if you're not doing the thing that you're trying to get someone in to do yourself, then you don't know the pain points. You don't know the struggles, the opportunities, some of the tactics that have worked. And it doesn't mean that it has to be fully formed. It doesn't mean that you have to say, do these exact things and it will work because you want them to add their own sort of slant to it. But you should at least be able to say, look, we tried that market. We found that this works really well. Or when we did this, it, you know, give them some sort of insight. So I found that to be a really, really powerful process to go through. Do the unscalable things because you want to learn those pain points as well as learn from your customers and everything else. And then when you do hand over to your and delegate, you can empower them with knowledge that you've learned along the way. That's yeah, such an important piece. If you're going to hand something over... The worst thing you can do is hire someone and they say, well, what do I do? And you've got nothing, right? <laughs> oh, I've done that. Just, just go work it out. <laughs> I just do, do that document? thing that was on the job description. <laughs> ben, do you document? Do I document? What, just generally? Processes. Oh. Processes and stuff. for oh, boring. So boring. No. Uh, <laughs> you do? No, God, no. Oh, I hate, funnily enough, I've had this family friend, good family friend. So we started off with him mentoring me for a while and then it, quickly transpired that that could not happen for the reasons I gave before. But along that time, he was trying to get me to write a business plan. And I was kept on kicking back to him. So this, I'm going to kill myself if I have to write, write this business plan. It's just, I know what I need to do. And I know there's gaps in that. And I know there's a bit of intuition baked into there. But, you know, I'm speaking with customers every day and I'm doing stuff and I'm seeing what's actually happening. And I can hear the million dollar businessman listening to this going, yeah, but if you really want to scale to that level, you need to write a business plan. So again, it's one of those things that I probably need to document more. I probably need to be a bit more thoughtful in those sorts of senses, but that's not kind of my DNA. I'm much more of a gut sort of person. I like to communicate. I think that's key. So don't confuse me saying 
I'm not documenting with not communicating. So as a leader, it's mm. one of your most important jobs is to communicate the vision and aspirations of the company, the core mission behind it. Make sure that that is understood and alignment on objectives for the business, but also in the individuals. What is it that we're actually aiming to achieve within the next quarter? Break it down by quarter, month, and then week. Um, do those things right, but that can be done vocally or over video or in person. Bullet point it maybe. Maybe that captures the, the you know, ticks the box for the, um, the documentation. Um, but no, I, I God, I, I want to fall asleep if I do any of that. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> that's good to hear, actually. It's quite refreshing to hear that. Yeah, uh, yeah that's great. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. How large is the team as of currently? Oh, we're a small company. There's four of us. Okay. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, we're nice and small. You know, it's all self-funded. We haven't gone down the dirty path of investment, although I have toyed with it at certain stages. But um, no, we're, we're fully bootstrapped. And how many users since launch? So we have, I think last count was about 17, 18,000. Okay, there you go. But we have a freemium plan. So not all of those are paying. Um, we are actually in the next couple of weeks, actually, we're going to be doing a massive revamp of our pricing, which will see us take out the free plan. Now, we're doing that as an experiment. It mm. might be that we bring it back because, you know, we see the value in it. But I think we're at the stage where it's quite a costly business to crunch the numbers or the letters in this case yes. um, and process all these campaigns. So having free customers, although they're amazing, it does add a massive financial strain on the business that I think as we now are maturing, we might need to sort of walk away from. All, if you're listening to this, by the way, and you're a customer or a free customer, a free user, all existing users will be remaining on what they're currently on. So don't worry about that. This is purely for those signing up in the future. Yeah, don't freak out. Um, but I mean, but that's a fair point. There is a cost of support that you know you need to consider when you're building a, any kind of business, particularly in SaaS, if you're giving freemium or free software. Um, for sure. Yeah, good point. All right, let's uh, skip into your relationship questions. Oh, I love that one. So what's the biggest challenge you face with running your business? And maintaining a happy and healthy relationship with your wife. Yeah, it's what really, that? it's tough. I mean, I've got wife, three kids and one dog. Um, my and kids a are dog. And a dog, yeah. Love yellow Labrador, who fortunately is not barking this second, but uh, I wouldn't draw it out. And kids, eight, six and three, so nice and young. So it's tough. I mean, when I sold the agency a year and a half ago, the agency where we had a bricks and mortar office. So, you know, I would drive out from home in the morning, come back at sometimes if I was lucky, six or seven, but most of the time, nine, 10, 11. And, you know, it was a separate business home life. And it was actually, it was a little bit easier back then because although I would maybe come back a bit later, it was a definite, I'm home, daddy's mm-hmm. home, you know, and, you know, play with the kids and all that sort of stuff. But when I sold that business and went into missing letter full time, I told myself, no, I'm going to intentionally create a remote company for my staff, but also for myself. I wanted to work from home, be a bit closer to my family. And I knew there would be challenges with that. Now, I knew one of those challenges I know this is about relationships, but just on the work side of it for a second, I knew one of the challenges for me would not be working. And I know some people have that potential issue and a genuine one, working from home, would they get distracted? Would they actually be productive? For me, that's never been an issue. I can work through anything and I am dogged in my perseverance in getting something done. I won't have lunch until I've done what I said I was going to do for that morning job. I've split my days into morning jobs and afternoon jobs. So I will have lunch sometimes at three, four o'clock and beyond. Sometimes I just skip it. I need to get that thing done first. and that, So it doesn't matter that I've got stuff going on and I've got noise at home. But it does create attention because I put on a lot of pressure on myself in a business sense to deliver incredibly quickly and quite ambitiously. Mm. Um, I don't think we've spoken about the uppercase conference yet, but since July, 
August this year. I've been on a roller coaster ride that maybe we can touch on in a minute. It's been really interesting, but I've just put so much pressure on myself that I've been doing bigger, longer late nights. And that is tough because it's one thing to come home late and then see your kids. It's another for them to see you working. And I suspect they might very naturally be thinking, I'm ignoring them mm. versus they might not be thinking that if I'm out in the office, but still working the late hours. So you've got to be very careful about that. And I try, I'm not doing a very good job at it. I think in the week to do better weekends, I generally never work this weekend. I did, which was an exception, but generally speaking, if you send me an email, I get back to you very, very quickly. But if you send it over the weekend or on a Friday evening, you won't get an email from me until Monday morning. I just don't do that stuff at all. So um, with my wife, we do date nights at least once a month. We've got one this Thursday, which is great. We're just going out to the cinema. Usually it's just an opportunity to sleep. Um, but <laughs> 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 and I'll just fall asleep. <laughs> You're such a romantic, Ben. Well, I, yeah. know, I know, I know. I'll pull out the red carpet, right? Um, <laughs> no, we enjoy that. I mean, we're going to go to the cinema this Thursday. We'd normally go for a meal beforehand, but with the babysitter coming in at a certain time, we don't have time to do a meal as well. But no, we enjoy that and that's good. But we need to get better. But my wife is a very, very pragmatic person. She knows that we are in a certain stage where there's a lot of opportunity and it has to be capitalized on. If I were to, you know, she doesn't want me to slack, put it that way, but she wants some balance and she wants some chores done and she wants me to put the bins out and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, she, she wants me to get on with her getting the job done. <laughs> so I'm curious, like when you guys got together, did she already know that you were this type of personality? And what's the long-term view for you? Like how long are you going to be doing this business thing? And, and at which point do you... Because we're going through this too, right? So I'm just curious what conversations you've had around that and then bringing kids into the fold as well. Yeah, she always did know that. And I think she knows that it will never end. As I say, make a billion tomorrow. I'm going to be straight off back on that horse the next day, setting up that next business. Yeah, she knows that. <laughs> yeah. And so you, just, you take there it or leave go. it. That's kind of what it comes <laughs> <to>. <laughs> Pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah. But no, she knows that. It's all okay. good. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you did the summit recently. Tell us a bit about that. And did that lead into this product you have called about, what's it called? About paysummit.com. That's it. So what's the, tell us about what you learned. How are we doing for time, by the way? I know we're getting close to the... Yeah, we're getting there. We're about five minutes and then... Okay, cool. I'll be quick on this. I think it's just a good, um, God, I was going to say the word lesson there, but maybe there is a little lesson in there somewhere. So back in July, I had this idea to run a couple of webinars for our missing letter customers, just to tie them over, over the summer to give them some value free value just I was going to bring in a couple of experts in social media or something like that didn't know who at the time and I just thought look if I could send them an email you know halfway through the summer saying hey we put on a webinar next week it's totally free you're going to learn xyz about whatever it might be sign up here just a freebie I thought it was a great way just to you know just to keep that communication open and conversation open with our customers and then I woke up the next day and thought Ben that's just so unambitious a couple of webinar series come on let's <laughs> a webinar series sounds very boring let's call it what it is. Let's create an actual event. Let's create a conference, but an online one. So I thought, let's do a summit. And then I looked at a couple of other summits that had taken place. I hadn't attended one before, but I'd seen them before and seen them advertised and a couple of things sprung out. One, I hate those landing pages. They look very salesy, very funnily, and very horrible and very scammy in many ways. And I know they're not, that's not to say anything about the content that maybe these were giving out, but they give the impression that they're very sort of, you know, quick, rich sort of stuff. And it just hated that. And they were very unambitious, they felt like. And they were doing like two or three people. Some of them had maybe 10 people talking. And it just felt, ugh, and yeah. it just annoyed me. And I thought, right, okay, am I going to do this or not? So I thought, let's do a 100-speaker summit. Let's just, let's go for a big number. And let's do it in like four weeks. Um, and <laughs> wow. not only that, but because I hate those landing pages and everything else, let's build the platform that's going to run this summit from scratch. And then not only that, but I thought, 
there's no way because we just had a team talk with missing letter you know a couple of days before where we were working out the okrs for you know objectives for the next um quarter i'm not going to suddenly as i sometimes do pull people off and distract them and everything else let's just i'll take this all on myself i'll oh do my the gosh. promotion the engagement with oh, the speakers post it i'll build it i'll do everything myself um let's just that'll be a fun experiment little thing to tie me over that summer so that's what i did so we achieved it within about four weeks we pulled in 100 speakers unfortunately 102 in total but two of them dropped out at the last minute so we still managed to maintain that 100 speaker objective which was fantastic and we had companies from AppSumo, from go squared from we had brennan dunn talking we had lean startup guide ash Mura. we had published authors emmy award winners we had a huge roster of people it was incredible and by the end of it not only had we put on an incredible event over two weeks where I was sort of, you know, nailed to a desk for sort of 10 hours every day, hosting, recording, and then, you know, publishing and building in the morning. You know, I would do sort of six hours in the morning of fixing things that I'd noticed or improving things that I'd noticed the day before, things that would increase engagement or increase the chances that people would actually turn up live to the event. We'd create giveaways. And basically, by the end of this two-week conference, this was just a few weeks ago, back in September, yeah. um, we built, not only delivered a conference of that scale, but we built a, or I built, a compelling world-class summit platform um, mm. that I thought, oh, this is a frustrating. Now it would be stupid of me not to launch this as its own product. So I got myself into a bit of an unescapable corner there. So it was very clear to me that there was an opportunity because we'd already seen um, a bunch of people who were using the platform, both as speakers and also as attendees going, where did this come from? This is like, I've never seen, I mean, as speakers, they were seeing, we were giving them stats on the demographic breakdown of people that were attending their talk, how many Amazing. were booked into their talk. They were mm -hmm. able to do things and see things that they'd never seen before as speakers. So it was very clear that I had to build it out as a product. And so that's the journey that I've been on over the last eight weeks, in fact, four weeks, because we launched, we finished, I gave myself four weeks after the end of Uppercase, the conference that we put on for Missing Letter, to actually launch the official new product to the public, 1st of November, of this new platform called Hey Summit, which was based on a platform that we built for Uppercase. And that happened last Thursday. And we're doing a big public launch on the 23rd of November this, so I like dates, of this month. So we're doing a big Black Friday um, promotion around it. So it's kind of been like a soft launch on Friday, Thursday last week, and then it's going to be a more official launch. I've got 25 customers already through a pre-sale that we did. Not a big number, but a good number that, you know, you've got to get past that first customer, right? Yeah. And we've got 25 of them, so that'll tick that box. And yeah, so that's where I am at this stage. <laughs> wow. A really great journey there. Yeah, I just get a sense of talking to a robot. Like this is, <laughs> exactly. you, you are incredible before that ambition. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Cindy, do you want to answer the uh, next question or ask the next question? Okay. So it's very easy to get serious as an adult, right? So how do you make fun a priority in your life and also in business? I don't know. Hopefully you've seen through this conversation that I'm a little bit energetic with how I approach things and conversations and everything. And I think that carries through to everything I do. So I, you know, I will do a little dance around the room or I'll, you know, some days I'm a little bit somber as well. You know, it's not all song and dance, but I try and be silly with my kids. I think that's probably the simple answer there and the obvious, not the obvious one, but the, the best one. I think it's being silly with your kids. And my three-year-old is so silly. He's brilliant. He's going to be such an actor, but he will come in and do a stupid face, a little dance, and it can't help but put a smile on your face and you just give him a little snuggle and, be stupid around your kids. I think it's just such an excuse, such an easy excuse to be unbridled mm. in your stupidness and weirdness and funness, um, to use three words that don't exist, that you shouldn't not be doing it. And you feel so much more alive at the end of it. I love doing it. 
Fantastic. <laughs> so it's an excuse to be a kid as well, eh? Yeah, definitely. Well, I was going to say, you know, they remind you to be that. Like you, <laughs> you already yeah, have it sure. in you, right? Yeah. All right. So after it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for, Ben? Um, achieving things, like delivering stuff that actually solves problems, like not just vaporware, you know, Brexit is big over here. So that's just a topical example, like not just releasing something because an app on Brexit, because people are talking about Brexit, you know, not just something because it was just felt like it was of the time, but something that was like, damn, that was an idea or an edge case or an opportunity that I didn't even know there was a problem. But now I see that that's kind of cool. Missing that to be a great example. And hey, Summit, why has no one created a platform that really helps people solve these problems before? I like those sorts of challenges and I want to be remembered for delivering successful businesses in those sorts of spaces. You're well on your way and we wanted to acknowledge you for being the great person you are and the things that you're doing and for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Ben. Hey, pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for your great energy. and for those of you listening I also wanted to thank Ben for partnering up with us to basically put up a prize for our giveaway so we are offering a business plan license for Missing Letter and all you need to do is head over to our giveaway page which is foundersconnect.co forward slash win to enter that and have a play of the tool we will be putting up a couple of um, videos on how to use the tool because uh, that's something that will save you a bunch of time and I'm looking forward to playing with the Summit tool as well when that comes out Cool. And maybe you can get me on another time and I'll tell you about the third business that I launched last week. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They just keep on coming. All right. For everyone else, hit subscribe, hit share, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, Ben. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. Alrighty, so that was our interview with Benjamin Dell, founder and CEO of Missing Letter and also a couple of other new tools which will be coming down the line. So, Cindy, what was your key takeaway from that conversation? My key takeaway is action is king. So he's actually a really action taker person. And even if you're testing the market, you still need to take the action to test it and validate your idea by using actions, not by just learning through books and tutorials and videos and etc. Yeah, I love that as well because it's easy to get caught up in watching a bunch of videos or going to seminars or doing courses. But at some point, you actually have to get out and speak to people, customers, and understand how to solve their problems. That's really cool. Is that your takeaway? Hello, get another (laughs) one. That's mine. My takeaway is, I mean, tied to that is always be experimenting. And when it comes to relationship, really sharing with your partner, in this case, Ben did with his wife, who he was and who he is and who who he was always be, and that you need to accept your partner for who they are. And that's the only way the relationship's gonna work. Because when you we didn't really get too much into that, but I sort of what I read from that is they didn't really try and change each other <laughs> and they kind of accepted, well, that's who what, they are. That's who you are. And and when you're dealing with entrepreneurs, that's kind of their mentality and they're always thinking about the next project. Like he's on his like who knows, 100 project. And he said even if he was, you know, if he had made a billion dollars tomorrow, he would still go back the next day and create something new. That's exactly an entrepreneur mind. There, there you, you go. go. All right. So as we covered, so Ben and Missing Letter have been kind to donate a prize for our giveaway. So head over to foundersconnect.co forward slash win and you'll get a chance to win a lifetime pro business license for missing letter and uh, that's a great tool to help you get really smart and automated with how you promote your blog content all right so head over and check that out now
Stay tuned for our next episode where we're talking how to start a successful online business like a boss with Nakum Kligman from Book Like a Boss. And remember to live passionately, purposefully, and confidently. Till next time, ciao!